Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This is the Jerry Callahan Show. Well, we got the answer to one of life's great mysteries yesterday. Uh, we've wondered for a couple of years now who does the tweeting for Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden is incapable. Of course, we knew he could never sit there on his phone and type out a legible sentence. It's just one of the many things our commander in chief could not is not capable of doing. Put it on the list. Can't ride a bike. He can't climb stairs, he can't lift a beach chair, and he can't put a uh, coherent sentence together. So we wondered, who's the uh, tweeter, the secret tweeter? I always thought it was some, like, small group of uh, purple-haired brown grads uh, in a room somewhere writing these boring tweets full of lies, bragging about the economy. That's usually what you get from Joe Biden on Twitter. But I guess uh, I, I underestimated KJP. She has her hands full as the uh, press secretary standing up there every day, staring at her binder and repeating the lies of the Biden administration. But uh, she's also, man, she is uh, multitasking. She tweets herself and she also tweets apparently for Joe Biden. (laughs) And sometimes she gets confused. I have to say there's some funny stuff on social media. There's some funny stuff on Twitter. You see some memes and you see some funny videos. There's a there's a hilarious video of a uh, of uh, of one of those just stop oil scumbags laying in the street blocking traffic, and a guy's got some high powered sports car, and he came up with a great idea. Instead of like going face first uh, into him and like uh, sitting there and waiting for him to move, he turns around, does a three point turn, backs up, and just guns the engine and just uh, uh, just smokes the guy out. And the guy has to get up and move. We're going to see more of that. It was a great idea, brilliant idea. Keep it up. But this this is without a doubt the funniest thing I have seen on Twitter in years. Yesterday, if you missed it, Karine Jean-Pierre from her official account at PressSec, at PressSec tweets, investing in America means investing in all of America. When I ran for president, I made a promise that I would leave no part of the country behind. Now, if that were Joe Biden's official, if he were the one uh, uh, allegedly tweeting from this account, we would look at that and say, what a lie. Yesterday, he went to Milwaukee to make a speech, and we will get to it. It is remarkable, historic on the number of lies he strung together. On uh, it, it, the, I don't know what was more remarkable, the number of lies or the number of gaffes. It's just, I mean, it is this speech, I think, was a new low. But this tweet came out yesterday. She uh, deleted it, but she just forgot to switch accounts. <laughs> That's all. I guess that's 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 an important part of the job, Corinne. Cringe John Pierre. But this is what this is the person tweeting for the president of the United States, the most powerful man in the world, has this half wit, this diversity hire, 
who is who isn't bright enough to to, to work at a Seven Eleven, and she's tweeting for the president of the United States, and sometimes she forgets to switch accounts. By the way, I made a promise that I would leave no part of the country behind. Is that a is that a good idea to tweet that on while while they're still finding bodies in Maui, and the president just said no comment on uh, Sunday, and then on Monday said he was going to send each victim in Maui $700 <laughs> after sending every single person in Ukraine $2,600. That, that's what I would call leaving them behind. And by the way, he said he would get to Maui, you know, when he can, when he can. Uh, Joe, you're the president. You can go anytime you want. You could go there now. You could go before your next vacation, which I believe is coming up tomorrow or, or Friday, heading to Lake Tahoe for a week of, uh, of relaxation, rest and relaxation, because, you know, it's been almost three days since his last vacation. He needs another vacation. He's halfway to Hawaii, and he doesn't see any need to go out there to fly there. I mean, I'll say it again. Joe Biden sucks at the job. He sucks at every aspect of the job. And he really, really sucks as the easiest part of the job. The alleged compassionate, empathetic Joe Biden never shows any empathy or compassion for the people of this country. And it's and it's so easy to do. He flew over East Palestine, Ohio yesterday on his way to Milwaukee to tell lies to the to the to the people in Wisconsin. He could have stopped there. He's never been there. He'll never go there. He could go to uh, Maui today, now, and just just survey the damage. Do what Oprah did. Again, give out some food, some some pillows, you know, hug some people. That part of the job, anybody could do. It's not hard, and yet he refuses to do it. Still hasn't been to Waukesha, which I believe is in Wisconsin, same state he was in yesterday. Never been to Waukesha, never been to East Palestine, never been to the border, and hasn't gone to Maui yet. Those aren't hard things to do. They're really not. Any idiot could do it. You don't have to be brilliant or, or strategic. Just go there. Show up. And then the, the fawning mainstream media will slobber all over you and say how compassionate you are. Hell, visit your granddaughter in Arkansas. Invite her to the White House. You will get so much credit. Joe, for being compassionate. If little Navy Roberts happened to be at the White House playing with her, uh, the other your other grandchildren, hanging out, you know, <laughs> showing up, but he won't do it. He's just beyond arrogant. But this was hilarious. We now know who tweets for Joe Biden. Now we know who to blame when there is just one lie after another on Joe Biden's uh, Twitter feed. But I have to say, we do this every day. I know we 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 uh, we play the gaffes. Ironhead's got plenty gaffes. We got a new one, by the way. The all-time gaff is you can describe America in one word. That that's the all-time gaff. When I was the footage was a bit of footage of the That that's the funniest gaff of all time. There's there's a couple here. America that is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was the foot him. It's the, it can be defined in a single word, and the word is absolute gibberish. This is Absolutely the United States America, for God's sake. 
he, he had he had a good one yesterday. Can we play the one from yesterday where he says, uh, I just invents a word. I'm, I'm not <laughs> even sure what he was trying to say. Yeah. But it's again, you have people like transcribing the speech. This is the president. So you have like people transcribing the official. The White House has an official transcript of every speech. We should check to see what they wrote for this, because here's another Biden gaffe. Uh, just try to try to decipher what's he trying to say. Go ahead. But then when I signed the bipartisan infrastructure again, which means- <laughs> <laughs> when I signed the what, what do you write if you're in the office saying I got a transcript play it again? I want to hear then when I signed the bipartisan infrastructure again, which <laughs> it starts off with bipartisan. But then it's just. I oh, really? I thought he's. I thought he was saying Biden's. This could be anything. Oh, Biden, Biden, bipartisan. Yeah, he lo- he loves to brag about Bidenomics, which was allegedly, you know, a, a pejorative not long ago. But now it's something he boasts about when he tells his lies about the economy. Well, we and he keep- did it again yesterday. We have a bunch of these. These just. I mean, he's pathological. There are people. There have to be people behind the scenes telling Joe, that's not true. What you said about. The deficit. That's not true. What you said about Amtrak, you got to stop. And he won't. He can't. He's he's what uh, what my mother used to call a mythomaniac. I mean, he's just pathological. He can't stop himself from telling lies because, again, he has like seven or eight thoughts in his decaying cranium. They're in there and they just come out and they're they, they must be cringing in the communications office, they must be cringing. Uh, the people in his traveling uh, party, tra- the, the people around him going, Oh, Oh no. Oh God. He's telling the Amtrak story again, which has been debunked by everybody, including his biggest fans at CNN, the Washington post. They've given him Pinocchios for this, but he can't help himself. We got a couple, which are just amazing. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. To me, I can't believe this is our president. First of all, he looks older, weaker, and more frail than ever. He just looks lost. Once again, he didn't know how to leave the stage. He never knows how to leave the stage. But he makes this speech about manufacturing the economy, just telling one lie after another, talking about how the economy's great and wages are up and and prices are down. All lies. Everybody knows that's not true. Everybody knows he hasn't lowered the deficit. Everybody knows prices are up. Everyone knows they're paying more for everything. And he just sits there and says, flat out blatant brazen lies. And I guess you have, as long as you have a partisan audience and you're not taking any questions, he thinks he gets away with it. But let's listen to a couple because these were just whoppers. What have we got? Ironhead. Uh, do you want the Amtrak one first or his uh, uh, deficit one? Let's go to the deficit because whispering Joe Biden is all whispering is when he whispers, as we mentioned before, there are a lot of tells when he says true story or no joke or God's true, God's honest truth, or my mother or father said this, you know, he's lying always 100% never fails. If he says God's honest truth, it is a lie. This is him whispering. When he whispers, he lies. Because he's talking about the deficit, which, again, has been debunked by everybody. Even his, there's nobody in the media who can hold, who can support him on this. They would love to. They would love to say, gee, lowered the deficit. But everyone knows he didn't. He just keeps saying it. It's remarkable. Go ahead. Let's listen. 
And unlike the last president, in my first two years in office, even with all we've done, I'm the first one to cut the federal debt by $1 trillion, $700 billion. $1 trillion, $700 billion cut. He gave it all to Ukraine. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not true. Nobody thinks it's true. Nobody believes it. He just keeps saying it, and as long as he's got people to cheer him. But uh, there were some funny when ones. When I there. signed the bipartisan infrastructure again, which... <laughs> that, the bipolar legs lock, sir. That made all the difference. The bipolar liquor lock, sir. Some, something about uh, a leg lock was in there. I don't know. Bipartisan leg lock. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's not, he gets in trouble when he says no comment about, uh, or when he looks at his watch at the uh, dignified transfer of the 13 warriors that he got killed two years ago. Oh, by the way, he didn't mind celebrating the one year anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act, that total pork barrel was waste of money. He, he acknowledged that anniversary, but no acknowledgement of the anniversary of the day he got 13 servicemen, men and women killed in Afghanistan so he could have bragging rights. No, no celebration of the anniversary of the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, which he called a tremendous success. But, and no, you know, no acknowledgement of the gold star families that he lied to, by the way, when he gets to Hawaii, I get those poor people who've lost everything, their homes, at least they'll get consoled knowing that, that Bo Biden also died in a, a wildfire back in the day. So he can relate to, he knows how they feel. He lost his son in a, a wildfire in Iraq, of course, in Iraq, you know what he's going to do? Honest to God, he's going to talk about burn pits in Iraq and how they killed his son and how his son came holding a flag draped coffin so he can relate to people who died in a wildfire. He will do that. He knows no shame. Anyway, this is long and we've heard it before, but I heard, I listened again this morning and I just am just blown away by this, by the detail, by the, the, the way he elaborates with all kinds of details on a story that is 100% fabricated. It is not true. It never was true. He tells a story about a guy, Ange. I guess that means Angelo, an Amtrak guy, telling him he, he drove, uh, he, he'd been on Amtrak for a million miles, which is totally untrue, totally made up. Before the story, before the moment where he allegedly reached a million miles, Ange died. The guy wasn't even alive when he said this happened. That's how, that's how ridiculous it is. And it's been pointed out dozens of times because he keeps repeating it. So people have told him, uh, you're confused, Joe. It didn't happen that way. Ange, your buddy from Amtrak, who's, he, he passed away years before you reached that alleged milestone, before you were vice president, before you uh, went to Delaware to visit your dying mother. Can't stop. Just watch this and marvel at the at the, uh, the, the reluctance to, to, to acknowledge that he's not telling the truth. Like he knows it and he has to know it. He's been told it many, many times and he does it anyway. He's, he's not just loose, fast and loose with the facts. This, this is a sickness. I'm telling you, this is insanity. The, the way he just doesn't hesitate 
to tell a lie in great detail in front of the cameras, in front of a crowd, a story that has been debunked for years. Go ahead. My wife called me one day and says, did you read the paper today? And I was up campaigning for a guy named Pat Leahy in Vermont. I said, no, honey, I didn't see the Wilmington paper. He said, headline, above the fold. Only a politician's wife would say that. Biden, poorest man in Congress. Is that true? Like I was cheating on her or something. But I was. And I couldn't afford a house in Washington, and I couldn't afford a house in Delaware. If I sold my house in Delaware, I'd lose an election. Can you stop this? Can you stop I this st- for a second? I, w- I want to I wanna just... Uh, I mean, it's hard to fact check in real time. This uh, New York Post has a great piece this morning going through the speech and debunking everything. And it's it's remarkable how many lies he told. Uh, the, the lead is President Biden Tuesday entertained a Milwaukee audience with debunked anecdotes about the circumstances of his birth, his father's education, his personal wealth, his interactions with an Amtrak conductor and his impact on the national debt. Now, the part I want to, uh, the, the reason I'm interrupting is because he said he was the poorest member of Congress and they debunk it completely. They, they, they said it was never true. He was like middle of the pack. Um, he, 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 check this out. He couldn't afford a house. Uh, Biden, who moved into a 10,000 square foot former DuPont, DuPont family mansion in 1974, one year after joining the Senate. He was 30 years old. He just got elected to the Senate and he bought in a sweetheart deal from the DuPont family, a 10,000 square foot home. That guy yesterday went in front of the crowd, said he's the poorest man in Congress and he couldn't afford a home. I mean, that's a kind of a big deal. Your first house, your first mansion. I know he's had many, many mansions since then. But it's a flat out lie. And it's been and it's so easily debunked in real time. This guy at the New York Post went through it. I mean, there's there's no such there was no such story about him being the poorest man in Congress. He just makes it up. Um, He was ranked 538 out of 575 federal officials um, in night in 2008. So he wasn't rich. Obviously, he knows how to hide money but he wasn't poor and he wasn't the poorest and he had a big ass house in Delaware. Go ahead. Let's keep going. I started to commute. It's only 300 miles a day, but it still takes me an average of four hours beginning to end. And so what happened was I, uh, when, when you travel as vice president on air force planes, they keep a precise number of miles to travel. And I guess it was in my seventh year or sixth year as vice president, I, there was a headline in the New York paper saying Biden travels almost uh, 1 million 200,000 miles on on Air Force planes, 1, 1 million to 100 or whatever. I'm getting on the train one day. The Secret Service are the best in the world. They don't like me traveling on the train because there are too many opportunities for people to do bad things on trains. Like derail them uh, in Ohio. So I'm getting on a train to go home <laughs> and see my mom who was sick and in hospice at my home. <laughs> and this guy, I won't mention his name because I would get him in trouble, but one of the senior guys in Amtrak who I rode r- 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 with all the time comes up and goes, Joey, baby, grabs my cheek. I swear to God, I thought you were going to shoot him. And uh, I said, no, 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 no. I said, what's the matter, Angie? He said, we just, I read this thing about a, over a million miles on Air Force planes. 
He said, hell, you know how many miles you travel on Amtrak? I said, no, Angie, I don't know. He said, we just had a retirement dinner up in Newark. He said, you traveled 100, average 117 days a year, round trip, 300 miles a day, 36 years. That's 1,285,000 miles. I don't want to hear any more about the Air Force. <laughs> True story. I swear story. to God. True, true story. story. All right. I don't have to tell you that is not a true story. This is amazing. The detail, the imitation. He started off by saying he didn't want to give the guy's name because he'd get him in trouble. The guy's Angelo Negri. He died in 19. I mean, he retired in 1992 and died in 2014. Uh, according to CNN fact checker, Daniel Dale, a huge Biden supporter. I did, he didn't like to write this, but he had to. He pointed out that Biden didn't reach 1 million miles on Air Force Two until September of 2014, for 2015, well after Negri's, Negri's retirement and death. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said Biden said he didn't know if Negri was still alive. He died nine years ago. His good friend, Ange, and he didn't know if he was still alive. Uh, just, I mean, it, it, and that has been fact-checked for years. It's just mind-boggling. I don't know why I let it bother me. I'm, but it's one thing if this were again just some crazy neighbor or just some some guy, whatever, some whatever, some guys doing TV commercials for selling whatever crazy Eddie or selling tires or something. That is the commander in chief. He has like zero zero credibility in anything he says. Is I mean, he just can't stop lying. And it's all because he's so insecure, A, and he has dementia, B, it, 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 and he's so needy. He wants people to, 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 to laugh with him and respect him and think he's a working class guy who lifted him up by his bootstraps. The guy had a 10,000 square foot mansion at the age of 30. And he wants you to think he was flat broke. But then when I signed the bipartisan infrastructure again, which... <laughs> oh, just a remarkable speech. Totally tone deaf. I think he mentioned Maui once, said he was going to try to get there. You know, you'll see how his schedule looks going forward. See if he can get permission. Maybe he's going to check, you know, Travago. Let's even get a decent hotel room. The idea that you can't just go whenever you want to go is just so ridiculous. But anyway, that's him. That's Joe Biden. And uh, it doesn't matter because every single mainstream media outlet is absolutely transfixed by Trump's latest indictment and Trump's troubles. So they will give that cadaver a pass as usual. But uh, we're going to get to this. What can we do? What can people do? What can the Republicans do? What can decent Americans do about the fact that Joe Biden, this 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 tyrant and the people around him have weaponized the Department of Justice and and, and local uh, district attorney's office to uh, to imprison, to indict, to arrest their enemies. It's time that the GOP fights back, fights hard. This is so insane. The more I read about the latest Trump indictment, we talked about it yesterday, included in the indictment, if you forgot, if you need a refresher, is the fact that he tweeted Trump's I think there's 14 or 15 tweets, including in the indictment, including included in the indictment, including when Trump told people to watch OAN and Newsmax because the news, some news was breaking. 
the fact that he asked Mark Meadows to get a phone number of someone in Pennsylvania, that's included in the indictment. The fact that one of the surrogates uh, um, reserved a room for a meeting is included in the indictment. The idea that you're going to arrest and imprison someone for challenging an election, for saying an election was rigged, for saying that he won when he lost is utter insanity. As we pointed out yesterday, it's what Democrats do every election. They do it every time a Republican wins. The governor of Georgia, Stacey Abrams, at least that's what she calls herself, has done it for years. There are, there's these montages, these uh, all over Twitter and social media of Democrats denying election results, challenging election results. Hell, the night the story broke, Rachel Maddow, leading Russian hoaxer, had Hillary Clinton on her show to talk about what a disgrace it is that people can't accept election results, the biggest election denier of them all. Anyway, I'm going to get to some of the things the GOP must do, can do. We have solutions. We have answers here. We're not just bitching and whining and sending angry tweets. It's time for Kevin McCarthy and for local uh, for local DAs, local prosecutors to take action to fight dirty the way they fight dirty. They're trying to imprison the leading candidate, hell, the guy who's pretty much sewn up the nomination for the GOP. They're trying to put him in prison for the rest of his life. This is political. I have two questions. If, you, if you're not sure, if you think maybe, you know, Trump deserves this, Trump you know, has only himself to blame, whatever. Two questions. A, do you think they would have done this to Trump if he weren't running? If he retired, if he went away, if he went back to whatever, Florida, Bedminster, if he was playing golf, if he was in Scotland right now or Ireland playing golf and saying, I had my time, I'm done. Would they have arrested him? The answer is definitively no. B, would they ever have done this to a Democrat? The answer even more definitively is of course not. So that that's all you need to know. It is political which means this is it is up to the Republicans to fight back politically. And I'm going to get to actual ways they could do it. We're going to get to Sage Steele, my favorite, all-time favorite ESPN chick. I stalked her at the Super Bowl one year. I just walked in. She just glows. She glitters. She's just, and she's great at her job. She's out at ESPN because she dared to speak her mind. She dared to have an opinion that went against the grain and, uh, she was. She brought a little diversity to ESPN, diversity of thought, and they don't like that. So she announced yesterday she's leaving ESPN after 16 years. We will tell you. Uh, we'll revis- revisit why she was on um, in on the outs at ESPN while the while half the staff there turned on her and dem- and wanted her out, and they and they got their way because. Sage Steele has uh, actual thoughts of her own and she has real courage in 2023. And I think, I think she walked away with a little bit of dough. I hope she did. And I, and she'll land on her feet for sure. We got an update on the Michael Orr story and we got it from Jason Whitlock of all people. He watched the movie again, read the book again, and he has some thoughts. And I have to say, he's right. Michael Orr is lying here. Michael Orr is bitter. He, and uh, he knew he knows at least his, Lawyers, agents knew how this would play in the media. And uh, they were right. It played in the media. People want to take Sandra Bullock's Academy Award away (laughs) for for Best Actress. Uh, Speaking of uh, actors, actresses who are uh, in trouble, Bradley Cooper is being accused of uh, doing Jew face 
Two-Face, they call it. <laughs> he's making the uh, Leonard Bernstein biopic. Looks good, by the way. He's a great actor. And uh, there are people out there who aren't happy about this because Bradley Cooper is portraying a Jewish man and he's trying to look like a look like the man, look like Leonard Bernstein. And he does, but... Bradley Cooper's not Jewish. So some people think he shouldn't have got the, the rights to this movie, which is utter insanity. We'll give you the details on that and lots more. But first, during these crazy and uncertain times, we can't talk enough about having reliable tools for self-defense for your family and for yourself. We see the videos all the time, the smashing grabs, muggings, people getting beaten in the street. Well, you got to protect yourself. And that's where Florida-based EAA Corp comes in. They specialize in providing exceptionally high-quality firearms to the U.S. market at an incredible value since 1990. Choose from a wide selection of unique and traditional pistols, revolvers, and shotguns. Whether you're looking for a concealed carry, competition pistol, or home defense shotgun, EAA has it. Their MC1911 series fits the bill, and they're available in compact carry or full-size configurations. Are you a first-time gun owner? Well, the all-in-one 9mm MC9 and MC28 striker fire pistols come fully equipped in a sleek, light, ergonomic package, ideal for everyday carry. Concealed carry has recently been approved in several new states during the last year with no permit required. EAA's lineup also includes shotguns for hunting, sporting, tactical, or personal defense that will exceed your expectations. There's a limited lifetime warranty on every firearm available from EAA. Visit EAACorp.com to learn more. That's EAACorp.com to shop for your personal firearm protection. Uh, bipartisan leg locks for everybody. Bipartisan leg locks, yes. Boasting about bipartisan leg locks sounds like sounds like it might be a real thing. Anyway, here's here's a couple of ideas, just ideas. I think uh, Charlie Kirk has a piece had a piece of the Federalist, and I heard a couple of people talking about this on cable news on um, on Twitter. Like everyone says, oh, at least. Lots of Republicans, lots of uh, just GOP base voters who are disgusted with the political persecution of the uh, leading candidate to defeat Joe Biden, the guy who is running away with the nomination, thanks to all these indictments. The guy was facing, what is it, up to 91 felonies Mm -hmm. and 700 years in prison, all of which are political. Every single one of them, 91, are political. None of those charges would have been brought if he weren't running, none of those charges would have been brought if he weren't a Republican, period. There's just, there's no, there's no disputing that. Anyway, uh, Charlie Kirk points out there are 27 Republican attorneys general in the U.S. and only 23 Democrats. Uh, But you wouldn't know that because all the celebrity prosecutors are Democrats. The left has an entire cast of politicians who make their careers by loudly hunting down supporters wrongdoers. And some of whom, campaigned on going after Trump, get Trump. That's what Letitia James did, Alvin Bragg, Fannie Willis. They were going to get Trump, and they have. Jack Smith, and Merrick Garland. These are people laser-focused on putting, on not allowing the to voters to decide who will be the next president. They want to put this guy away, take the take him off the belt, take him off the, off the stage. And it's disgusting. It's anti-American. It's just, it's just wrong. So what can you do? I mean, they got all the power. You know, they 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 got 
you know, the, the, the special prosecutor, they got the attorney general, they got a corrupt man in the white house and they're doing everything they can to protect him. Well, these 27 DAs, uh, Attorneys general in the uh, United States, these 27 Republicans, they can do some things. They can go after some people. And Charlie Kirk lays it out. There are ways to do, to fight fire with fire. As he points out, he names some people. They, they can go after Hunter Biden. Kirk points this out. Biden's written in his memoir about a four-day crack bender that he went on in Nashville, part of a crack-fueled cross-country odyssey uh, in the laptop there's damning proof of Biden buying tens of thousands of dollars worth of pro- prostitution services from Florida, a Florida-based madame named Ekaterina Moreva. What could Florida do in response to this? Uh, he says, I don't know, but if Democrats discovered a Trump family member had sent thousands to a madame, madam, in one of their states, the answer would not be nothing. They would go after him. If Donald Trump Jr., we're in a blue state buying prostitutes, buying drugs. That blue state attorney general would go after Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump. There's no doubt. So why don't these guys from Nashville, from uh, from Florida, why don't they go after hunting today? Points out Joe Jim Biden, the corrupt brother of the president, um, has conducted business in many blue states, including Florida and Kentucky. Um, time to go after him. Uh, Mayorkas, here's the best one, uh, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter took in $90 million. Now, I didn't really get all upset about it because they mostly fleeced stupid and guilty white liberals like like we've talked about at the time. John Cena, Steve Carell gave them millions, and we know it was a big scam. They don't give any money to help black lives in inner cities or fight violence in inner cities. They buy mansions. By large mansions is what BLM now stands for. Nobody has been indicted. Nobody's been arrested. They've done this all over the country. Why not? Why don't they, why don't Republican attorneys general indict Patrice Cullors, the founder of BLM who has bought mansions all over the place uh, for her own purpose and hired family members, put them on the payroll. They have fleeced people. It is a scam. So why does no one pay a price? Points out Southern Poverty Law Center. Why don't you go after them? One of the biggest scams of all time. Uh, I like the my favorite idea. I think it was Charlie Hurt mentioned this. Uh, Washington uh, Examiner, Washington Times editor. He said, just find one uh, fentanyl overdose victim who died. There was a hundred and something thousand, 107,000 last year. Find one person or two or 10 or 50 who died of a fentanyl overdose and indict Joe Biden for letting the fentanyl in this country. What's wrong with that? Sounds good to me. Find one person who was murdered by an illegal alien, by an MS-13 gang member. Indict Joe Biden for letting that person in the country. Does it sound like a stretch? Of course. Just like every one of the 91 counts against Donald Trump, it is a stretch. It's smacks of political revenge. But so what? What's your alternative? An angry tweet? What's your alternative? Saying, you know, we're going to look into that once we're back from vacation? No, it's time they got dirt, they got down and dirty and fought like Democrats. This is the only solution. If you thought it was a one-time only thing with, uh, with Alvin Bragg, along comes Jack Smith, then along comes Fannie Willis. And by the way, 
Arizona is next. There's going to be over a hundred charges. Trump's going to be caught tied up in court for months during the campaign. It's going to be every day making a court appearance and making bail, hopefully next Friday in Atlanta. And the circus has only just begun. Fannie Willis said in the press conference two days ago, two nights ago, that she wants to try all 19 defendants at the same time. <laughs> it's going to look like just it's like some kind of talk about banana Republic. It's going to look like El Salvador with these 19 people lined up like handcuffed together in court. Trump with Mark Meadows and Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis all together. They want the circus. They want to embarrass, humiliate their, the, the, the great Satan who is Donald Trump. So what are you going to do about it, Kevin McCarthy? I'd mentioned Mitch McConnell, but he's, he loves this. He doesn't care at all. But what are you going to do about it, Jim Jordan and Matt Gates and, uh, and Chip Roy? This is what you can do about it. You get on the phone with some of these Republican DAs and you say, start bringing charges. Hell, We've already seen the crimes of the Biden family. They are many. You can pick one, pick two, pick 10 and indict. That's the only answer. That's what we need right now. And it's not good for the country, but Democrats don't care. You know, they don't care. Uh, Mitch McConnell says, we don't want an impeachment. It's not good for the country. Uh, A, yes, it is. When you have a guy this corrupt in the White House, it is good. Justice is always good. And B, so what? They do it. It's time you do it. It's the Chicago way. They put one of you in the hospital. You put one of them in the morgue. That's the way they have to look at it. They have to fight the Chicago. All right, let me get to my girl. So uh, let's do uh, Whitlock. Let's do Michael Orr because we did this yesterday. I knew kind of how it was going to play out. I knew Michael, uh, Michael Orr, or at least his lawyers, his agents, his advisors, who's ever talking to him knew that, you know, the, the, the black guy who was an orphan, no, not an orphan. He was abandoned. He was homeless. His mother was there. His mother had 12 kids. She was on crack and she abandoned him and he was living on the streets. And if you saw the movie or read the book, you know, the story. And he was taken in by the Tui family, Sean and Lee and Tui, who were fabulously wealthy. When they took him in, they own fast food franchises. They've since sold their franchises for $200 million dollars. So they fly on private jets and they go to exotic places and they live lavish lifestyles. And for some reason, Michael Orr decided that they had uh, conned him, that they had, that they have somehow used him, made a lot of money and didn't uh, pass any along to him. Um, It was, you know, an intern, we we mentioned yesterday, I said, we're going to find out more. We're going to have to wait Give it a day, find out more. Well, according to Sean Tui, the family members, him, his two kids, and then Michael Orr, who's not his kid, he had a conservatorship because Michael Orr was 18. He didn't adopt him. Nobody said he adopted him. Nobody. It's not in the book. It's not in the movie. There's nowhere where someone says you're their adopted child. They took him into the family, as you know in the book, and he became a member of the family. They helped him. He went to Ole Miss. He went to the NFL. He made $34 million in the NFL in eight years and decided that wasn't enough. When he looked at the two easy thought that they had uh, taken advantage of him. Well, I don't believe him. And I will tell you, well, Sean Tui says each member of the family, him, his wife, his two kids, and Michael Orr, each made $14,000 for the movie. 
14000 each, Michael included. Obviously, that's not enough. The movie made $300 million, but I guess, you know, they don't need the money, and neither does he, unless he's somehow squandered all the money he made in the NFL. But uh, um, after reading the book, watching the movie, listening to all sides, um, um, Jason Woodlock writes, what Michael Orr is doing to the Tui family is despicable. He's telling an obvious lie that he knows most of the media will be too afraid to question because of the racial dynamics. Plus, the media is lazy. It's easier to repeat Orr's allegations than to question and or research the legitimacy of them. And he's right. When this move, when this story broke, people assumed the two white, you know, sixty-three-year-olds were were the bad guys. Michael Orr was the good guy. They'd taken advantage of him. They see the number three hundred million. The movie made three hundred million. They see them, as I pointed out yesterday. Daily Mail had a whole story about the lifestyle that, or the two he's lead. Again, flying on private jets and going to all, you know whatever Kentucky Derby and going to south of France and going to Lake Como and. They live a good life, but they made a fortune before they ever met Michael Orr. They were rich. It's in the book. It's in the movie. It's in the book. And Michael Orr, they saved him. I mean, essentially, um, as Whitlock points out, it's easy to feel sorry for Orr. He's broken. The first 15 years of his life are a tragedy. Uh, That's not my opinion. Read his book. His mother was addicted to crack and birthed a dozen children with a variety of men or his siblings would routinely come home and find the door locked, their mother nowhere to be found. She would disappear for days, ingesting cocaine with friends. Her kids, as young as 14 months, would be left locked out of their apartment, forced to beg for food and a couch to sleep on. Uh, this type of neglect causes lifelong trauma. Or met his father, but had no relationship with him. His grandmother hated him. State social workers eventually intervene or move from foster home to foster home, school to school, from one friend's couch to the next. So that is accurate. That is in his book, not just in The Blind Side. The Blind Side, which is partially about Orr, but also partially about the the left tackle, the importance of a left tackle in the NFL. Talked about Lawrence Taylor uh, breaking Joe Theismann's leg and how you need that guy to protect the, the blind side or your quarterback will be killed. Anyway, it's a good book, good story, good book, good movie. But apparently, Michael Orr is bitter at, at, at the Tuies for whatever reason. Maybe, again, he squandered his fortune. Maybe he's got no money. But isn't it easy? And I think what we're going to see is Sean Tui, He's he said they're devastated, they're disgusted and all that. Isn't it going to be easy for him to produce receipts? Here's what we made, $14,000, same as Michael. If he's lying, he's lying. Then we'll need a follow-up. But right now it sounds like uh, Michael Orr is bitter and jealous for whatever reason. Maybe he thought his career was going to last longer. Uh, Maybe he he didn't like the fact that the movie made him out to be a dummy who couldn't read. Not his fault. He didn't go to school. I don't know. We will see. But I tend to side with Whitlock on this one. It sounds like a shakedown. And maybe the two are going to have to pay them off to make them, make them go away. But uh, not a real good look for Michael Orr. And as Whitlock points out, Mike Florio and others in the, the media who just always fall for the, the race angle or take an Orr's side. People on Twitter, there's a whole story on TMZ about how Twitter people, the Twitterverse is demanding 
Sandra Bullock, give back her Oscar? What? This is from TMZ. Uh, Twitter is home to a lot of ridiculous opinions, but the latest trend involving Sandra Bullock might be the app's worst. Users are calling for her to lose her Oscar on the heels of the blindside controversy. It's about as crazy as it sounds, especially since there's zero evidence Bullock, who played Leanne Tui, had any clue of the drama behind the scenes with Michael Orr and the Tui family. Well, you're going to blame Sandra Bullock for the fact that Michael Orr thinks that part of the story was embellished or whatever. I mean, first of all, all stories, particularly sports stories, are embellished. It's a human drama. She played the part. She played it well. Um, the, uh, the And there's just a bunch of Twitter people all screaming, give back the Oscar. This whole movie was a lie. What's his face? The uh, Barstool uh, college football guy is saying, give back the Oscar. I don't know, people. What's his name? Brandon Walker. Brandon Walker wants him to give back the, I don't think, do people really believe that or are they just saying it? They're just saying have, it for the fun of it. I haven't heard him say it. He could have been just joking. I'd imagine he's yeah, joking. They, they might be just joking, but it's just silly. It's just ridiculous. And speaking of ridiculous in the movies, uh, let me do Shay, and then we're going to get to uh, Bradley Cooper. Oh, and, and we're going to get to my girl stage seal. Oh, I love Sage. I'm looking forward to her next chapter. She's really good at the job. Too good for ESPN. Looking, but, uh, looking for a co-host? Uh, it's, you know what? I don't think I could afford her, but uh, I would love it. I, I think she and I would be electric together. It'd be great chemistry. She's a, a good, smart Christian woman. Would love it. Love it. But uh, we'll get to that and uh, tell you why. Bradley Cooper's in trouble with the, uh, I don't know what you call these people, the people who, uh, uh, the appropriations police Bradley Cooper apparently has appropriated has used Jew face. That's what they're calling it. It's not me. They're calling it Jew face. And they're, I don't know what they're demanding that he, <laughs> that he, that he get rid of the Jew face. I think it's a little late. I think the movie's been made already and it's going to be good. Bradley Cooper is a great actor and he's playing a part. And that's apparently not good enough for the, uh, for the trolls out there. We'll tell you all about that. But first, as you know, Shea Concrete has a huge selection of precast concrete steps ready to be installed at your home. This is your spring project, people. If you're building a new home or remodeling or replacing an old staircase, Shea has great uh, values on designs that will fit your home. A new staircase can dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home, giving you much better curb appeal. Make your front steps the talk of the town and do it now. Do it this spring. No reason not to. You know that removing the stairs is a pain. They're heavy. They're awkward. And where do you take them when you get rid of them? Shea will take care of all that for you. They Leave it to them. When they're done, you'll have a great-looking new entrance that will add value to your home. It's more than an upgrade. It's an investment. With one phone call, Shea will deliver a turnkey installation experience. In a few hours, you'll get a brand-new front entrance. Learn more at SheaConcrete.com. And while you're there, you can look for a job. Shea Concrete is hiring. Right now, they have between 15 and 20 open positions. These are career opportunities for all different types of people and skill sets. All you got to do is pass a drug test. That's it. Go to ShadeConcrete.com. All right, before we get to Bradley Cooper, uh, let's do Sage Steele. Sage Steele left ESPN. She announced yesterday. It was after a long, must have been a real tense time. 
because she was suing. She was suing Disney, suing ESPN for, uh, uh, I don't know what the, 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 um, she was making three million, three million a year and she was doing a great job and everything was good. But then she had the audacity to have an opinion, you know, something that was not the same as everybody else at uh, ESPN. She was against mandatory vaccines. She called the idea of vaccine um, coercion sick and scary to me in many ways. She said this to Jay Cutler on Jay Cutler's podcast. That wasn't, it didn't go over well at ESPN. She was suspended. She sued for them. Uh, I'm trying to find her uh, exact uh, uh, reason for suing, but for, for denying her the right to speak freely and uh, have an opinion that it wasn't the same as everybody else in ESPNs and not succumbing to a mandatory vaccine, which, as we later found out, was unnecessary. She's fairly young at the time. She was in her 40s. She's fit. She obviously didn't need the vaccine. She's very fit. Uh, but that didn't matter. Everybody at uh, ESPN had to submit to the uh, useless vaccine or else. Uh, and when she did, uh, it, uh, we're going to get to what else she said on this podcast. It pissed off everyone at work. She sued. They didn't fire her. They kept her on while the suit was pending until yesterday when she finally left the network. They'd offered her $500,000 and she turned it down. So I think she got more than a half a million to walk away, which is good, um, which is fine. But the idea that Disney would not allow a person to have an opinion. And by the way, they said they don't allow politics, which is a flat out lie. They allow politics as long as it's the right kind of politics. If you remember, uh, L. Duncan, who was one of the people who was most critical of uh, Sage Steel, she had a, a minute of silence, was it, when uh, Roe v. Wade was repealed, <laughs> was struck down on air on ESPN. She had to get a moment, a minute of silence. Uh, that's not political. L. Duncan's still there. L. Duncan didn't get suspended for anything. But my favorite part of the uh, Sage Steele story is when she was on this podcast, she talked about being biracial. And she says something that takes, again, real courage in this day and age. She said, why, why does, should she necessarily identify as black? She said she loves her white family as much as her black family. She's biracial and proud of it. And she criticized Barack Obama for, talk, for considering himself black when he was raised by a white mother and a white family. A white grandmother raised him. His father was nowhere to be found. So why should he necessarily identify as black? It's a good question. It's a bold take. And uh, they don't tolerate those at ESPN. Can we hear the, uh, the bold take from Sage Steele, the one that got her in trouble at ESPN? Uh, when you fill out your census, I'm like, well, I don't know when the last time I filled out my census was, but yeah. if they make you choose a race, yeah. she's like, what are you going to put? And I go, well, both. She's like, well, you can't. She goes, well, what about Barack Obama chose black and he's biracial. I'm like, well, congratulations to the president. That's his thing. I go, I think that's fascinating consider, considering his black dad was nowhere to be found, but his white mom and grandma raised him. But hey, mm -hmm. you do you. I'm going to do me. That's that's unacceptable. They called uh, let me uh, 
her comments, this is from Bobby Burak on OutKick. He says, uh, Steele's comments drew the ire of former ESPN hosts like Jamel Hill, Carrie Champion, and of course, Keith Oldman. Cable news hosts like Tiffany Cross and even her colleague, Sarah Spain. ES responded to the backlash by suspending Steele, <laughs> removing her from the Rose Bowl, releasing a statement condemning her comments and demanding that she issue an apology for saying that, for saying that she's proud, just as proud of her white loves of her white family members as much as her black family members, and she's proud to identify as biracial and criticizing Barack Obama for turning his back on his white mother and white family members. For that, they demanded she issue an apology and condemned her comments. This is an outfit, and again said, the network punished her for violating its so-called ban on discussing politics. Isn't that rich? ESPN, which, which employed at one point Jamel Hill, uh, Keith Oldman, and still employs Sarah Spain and others, and L. Duncan has a ban on talking politics. ESPN has already punished her for being, uh, for being, uh, before they removed her from a social justice special. They did a special on social justice on ESPN. I'm sure it was riveting, really. A lot of real, uh, you know, surprises in that piece. And the host of the special, L. Duncan, argued that her bosses, that Steele's blackness was in question. Can I be honest? I, L. Duncan used to be in Boston. I watched her all the time. I met her, seemed like a very nice person. I never thought of her as black. I mean, I never thought of her as black or white or whatever. I didn't, she wasn't one of these, you know, outspoken Jamel Hill types who made everything about race back then. But I guess she's at ESPN and now she's a proud black woman and it's all about her blackness. And Steele isn't black, according to uh, um, L. Duncan. So they removed her from the special. What the hell? That is amazing. And now she's gone. And by the way, she's much better at her job than Sarah Spain or Jamel Hill or, or L Duncan, but they got rid of her because she had an opinion. They didn't like that. It wasn't approved of. And hopefully she walked away with some serious dough. And you know what? She will land on her feet somewhere. Probably already gotten stuck in a, I don't know, Fox news or Newsmax or, you know, maybe Fox sports or something, but she's good at the job and she will, and you know what? She's just like a good old, she's a military brat. She's a Christian. She's a family woman. And she didn't want to play into all the wokeness at ESPN. And they just would not tolerate it. They're just so tolerant. I, well, let me get to Bradley Cooper. I got to get to this. It's so wild. Bradley Cooper's making, I think he owned the rights. He's the producer, director, everything. He's uh, the star. Uh, but check out this lead from, uh, what do we got here? The Daily Mail. Bradley Cooper's prosthetic nose in the newly released trailer for the Leonard Bernstein biopic Maestro has sparked online chatter with some calling out the actor director for playing to Jew face stereotypes with the exaggerated facial feature and the casting of a non-Jewish actor in a Jewish role. All right. Two things. This is a two part thing. One is the prosthetic nose. All I got to ask this is all I want to know. Can you get a picture of, of him in, in, on uh, Leonard Bernstein, because I'm looking at it right now in the Daily Mail. He looks like him. That's the whole point. <laughs> I mean, they, they say, he, uh, they're saying he shouldn't have used the prosthetic nose or, I mean, should he, that's Bradley Cooper. Now do Leonard Bernstein right next to him. How is that not 
a guy just trying to look like the man he's playing in the movie. He looks a lot like him in real life. Now that's an old Leonard Bernstein. There's a, the Daily Mail has the two back to back and he looks like him. He's trying to look like him and he does. That means he darkened his hair. It looks like he lost weight. He, he, and they messed around with his face and they made his hair, his nose a little longer, a little bigger because that's looks like Leonard Bernstein. And you're not supposed to do that because Bernstein was Jewish. It's just so nuts. I mean, he got big. He got a little fat when he played uh, Chris Kyle, American Sniper. Mm-hmm. He was brilliant as Chris Kyle. It was an amazing performance. That's not what Bradley Cooper normally looks like. He looked like Chris Kyle. He, emula- he, he imitated every move Chris Kyle made. He talked like him. He walked like him. He, he, he acted like him. That's called acting. There he is. <laughs> what could be the problem? He looks a lot like Leonard Bernstein. That's the whole point, but not good enough. Uh, there are people, I don't think it's anyone prominent, mainly the Twitter crowd again, complaining that he got the, the right to the movie because it said uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, who is Jewish, had a competing biopic but lost in the battle of rights to to uh, use Bernstein's material against Cooper and his producing team on the film, which includes icons Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg. So Steven Spielberg is involved, and uh, we're going <laughs> to... I uh, said one Twitter uh, user, I still would have preferred they give Jewish actors a chance to audition before automatically casting someone more famous. He owns the rights. It's his, it's his idea. It's his, his movie. And because he's not Jewish, he shouldn't pay a Jewish guy. Are we really going there with that? All right. This is insane, but you know, it looks good. Bradley Cooper's good. Good actor. Uh, there's uh, again, we're not going to get to snow white, save her. We're going to get to this crazy snow white woman. We have plenty of time. She is going to make sure the the new Disney production, real life production of uh, Snow White is the biggest bomb in Disney history. But uh, that will be awful. I think Maestro will be good because Cooper is good. But uh, we'll see, I guess. But uh, we will leave it there for today. Thanks to everyone for uh, listening and tweeting, I mean, and texting and commenting. And thank you, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Kelly, and this is The Callahan Show. And we will do it again tomorrow. God save the queen, man. Am I the only one here tonight? Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me. Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen.